Hey, what's going on? SaaS sales players, Jesse here. I am all coffeeed up and getting off of a weightlifting workout this fine Saturday morning, and I thought I'd put together a quick episode. Uh, this is a topic that I think a lot of you will find really helpful. I've been having a lot of conversations with listeners over the last couple of weeks and uh, you know, having a lot of my own personal conversations around this topic and thought it might be helpful to put together an episode on the topic of how to find, you know, what, what, what to look for in your next SaaS selling role. So this episode will probably be titled something like five things to look for in your next uh, SaaS selling role. So a super important topic because I think success a lot of times really does come down to landing in the right company in the right role for you uh, in a place where you can be successful with a product that can sell and with customers that are supportive of those sales with, you know, all the resources that you need from your leaders uh, in order to get things done. I think I took that for granted early on in my career. I really did. And I've talked about this on other episodes that earlier on in my career, I was probably something of a lone wolf seller where I felt like sales was all about, you know, my own personal might or my own personal drive. And that I was sort of in a silo, uh, not, you know, part of a, a broader team. And as I've you know, scaled my career up and gone closer to, you know, gone into selling to enterprise brands, I realized that success really does come down to the product that you're promoting and selling, uh, as well as the leaders that you're surrounded with, as well as, uh, you know, your peers and colleagues who are helping to push uh, that competitive side of things. So there's a lot of factors that can contribute to one's success in SaaS sales. And so I wanted to put together, you know, a couple of criteria that might, some of you will, I think will find helpful as you're evaluating either your next opportunity in the SaaS sales industry, or if you're looking for your first opportunity in the business, uh, these criteria will really help. And, and maybe you can use this as a check against your current employer. If you're currently sitting in a seat selling software, uh, you know, check in on some of these criteria. And I'm not saying that you have to have all five of these things. And I realize that in today's episode, there's going to be a lot of nuance because some of this is relative. And of course, different sellers have different personalities and, you know, there's different definitions for some of the things in this list here. But I think as a general guide uh, or a general framework for what to look for in a SaaS opportunity, uh, this should be pretty helpful. And I'll, uh, I'll document all of this in the show notes. So if you want to just have a quick kind of bullet point list of some of the criteria here, I'll try to write those all out in a way that is summed up so you don't have to listen to the whole episode, I guess, over and over again. Um, but I hope you listen. So let's dive into it. And I just put these together in the last five minutes. So a lot of them might be me kind of thinking out loud. Hopefully that's okay. Uh, so let's start with the number one thing that I look for when I'm evaluating a new opportunity in the SaaS business, uh, you know, specifically a sales or an account executive opportunity. So number one is a strong product offering, product market fit, and then, you know, some things around the value proposition. If you're not familiar with that term, the value proposition is, you know, what is the elevator pitch for the product? If you were picking up the phone today to offer that product out to the, the ideal buyer, what would you be saying? What problem does it solve? What value does it have to them? What's in it for them? Uh, that's what I mean by value proposition. I, I also use the term value drivers. Those might be like bullet points, like, you know, we save our customers money by doing X, or, you know, we help our, our customers decrease their risk by Y. Uh, you know, those are kind of examples of value drivers. So I always look for those value drivers, a good, clear value proposition. And then uh, I also look for real customers that are happy and that are willing to uh, recommend the product. And I'm going to get into a second. I'll, give me a second and I'll get into how you can verify some of these things. And then also 
last but certainly not least is can there is there a business case or a clear ROI with this offering? This one's a little more nuanced and during your interview process, you might want to try to understand that a little bit more from whoever your hiring manager is or your leadership is that you're interviewing with. Find out is it possible, is there any clear ROI that they can share? And, and they should. Uh, if they don't share it, that's a red flag in my opinion. Um, but can you point to real business ROI? Is there real financial value or you know, cost savings, cost earnings? What's the big benefit that a company is going to get by using your solution? So let me get into how you can vet for some of these things during an interview process or as you're getting recruited or talking to you know, recruiters or hiring managers. How can you find out if there's a strong product offering and product market fit. Now, product market fits a little bit more nuanced because that can mean a lot of different things. Uh, and that, you know, sometimes takes time to determine. So let's just focus on the product offering itself. How can you go and do some due diligence on the product? And one way that I've done that in the past is I actually, and so this works for both the product itself and determining if there's happy customers using that product and speaking to its uh, efficiency and uh, speaking to its abilities, right? So there's a bunch of resources out there and many of you might be familiar with websites like G2 Crowd, Trust Radius, Captera. These are all business review websites. So very similar to like Yelp for software companies. And if you haven't checked out G2 Crowd or Trust Radius or Captera, I highly recommend it. These are great resources as you're evaluating different opportunities. So let's, let's go through a hypothetical here. Let's say a recruiter reaches out to me on LinkedIn and you know, they're, 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 they're calling from, you know, XYZ software. Let's just call it, I'm making something up. So, Hey, you know, Hey, recruiter reaches out from XYZ software company. They've got an account executive position and they think I'm a great fit for it. So one of the first things that I do is I go to G2 crowd or Captera or trust radius. And I think there's a handful of others, by the way. So you can just Google, you know, software reviews and there's tons of them. I might go and search for some reviews on that product. And if there's customer examples that I can point to where a customer has endorsed the solution, that's a pretty good sign. It's also good to read the, you know, kind of the bad and the ugly as well. Are there customers that say that there's, you know, gaps in the product? What don't they like about it? It's really good to get that perspective. Uh, and then in some cases, the customers are like fully identified. So you might, it, you know, it might say something like Jane Smith at XYZ. Uh, retail company said this and, you know, John Jones at XYZ, uh, you know, manufacturing company said this. So you can actually go and, and maybe follow those people on LinkedIn. Uh, and, you know, maybe if you really care to go do tons of due diligence, try to connect and understand their relationship with that product, that may be going above and beyond what you need to do. So another resource that I always use when I'm vetting out a software company is their Vimeo and YouTube pages. So I'll go and see what videos they have hosted on their product. And this is always a really good, uh, first of all, this is really good as you're interviewing for a new role to kind of adopt some of the lingo and the jargon. I don't I hate to use the word jargon, but adopting some of the, the nomenclatures and the wording that the team uses and really understanding how they're marketing their solution to people who might stumble across a YouTube video. Uh, because typically those videos are put together with uh, you know, a product marketer who is, uh, you know, again, creating the video as a resource for someone who's evaluating the product. So from those videos, you can often figure out what the, the, the value drivers are, what the value proposition is. If there's examples of ROI, those are typically in those videos. So ROI being, you know, such company saved 
XYZ dollars on the solution, or they were able to trim costs or grow revenues, whatever it is. So you can look out for some of those signals from the YouTube and Vimeo channels. I think the other thing you can do is in the interviewing process, ask if you can interview a customer or ask if there's case studies, uh, if there's documentation or any other resources that they can share that outline customer successes, that show what the value is and why customers keep buying that solution. I think it's okay to ask specific questions around who the customers are, what, how much are they spending, uh, what titles tend to purchase uh, you know, the solution. These are all fine questions in an interview process. And earlier on in my career, I was always hesitant to ask. I didn't want to come across as the guy who was asking too many questions, but I realized how flawed that was uh, because it's, it's your right to know in an interview process and do due diligence on where you're going. Uh, because if you're going to be selling the product, you need to be able to have some of these table stakes in place. And again, happy customers is really sort of key to finding success in sales. Because if you don't have existing happy customers, uh, then who is going to, to be a, you know, uh, who's going to do a referral or, uh, you know, kind of a verification call to your future customers and tell them that, you know, they're, they're making the right choice and in investing in that product. And then, you know, again, reading some of these sites like G2 Crowd, uh, I can't recommend that enough. And then, uh, you know, leadership should have clear business case examples. And if they don't, then I think that's a red flag. If they can't point to outcomes or results that the solution drives, then I think that's something to consider. And, uh, you know, you can keep digging deeper and try to figure out if it's just not put together yet, but they're there and marketing just hasn't had a chance to document it all. But if there's nothing there, then I think that's kind of a flag that the product may not be selling uh, or, you know, there's not a defined process in place to, to sort of document those kind of things. So something to think about. So that's number one, uh, a good product offering, happy customers, verified customers, reviews, testimonials. And then, uh, you know, if they've got Vimeo and YouTube pages, go watch some of the videos and see if they have a clear elevator pitch. So number two strong leadership, particularly in the sales organization. This is really key. And I realize this more and more as I go that, uh, you know, if you've got transparent and facilitating leadership that enables, you're going to be a lot more successful than if you go to a company with poor leadership that doesn't look out for their people, uh, that spends most of their time politicking and not focused on developing their reps and moving blockers out of the way. So, a couple of ways that you can kind of vet for this, and this is a little bit more nuanced, I'll admit that, you know, you really have to spend time with who your hiring manager is and you really got to ask a lot of really, you know, tough questions or direct questions to leaders as you're going through the interview process. And that's top down. If you get a chance to interview with the founders or CEO of the company, ask the hard questions. Same with the sales leadership, same with, you know, other orgs like the marketing or operational leadership, ask hard questions. So a few things you can do to, to sort of vet a leader. One of those things is back channeling. This is a little bit, you know, this is pretty deep. So I don't, I definitely recommend doing it if you can. One way to do this is go on LinkedIn, look at the hiring manager who's hiring you for the role, the, the person that'll be your manager in the role and go and see who you know in common. And then go and if there's anybody in that list that might be able to speak to that person's abilities or their relationship, you can kind of go and, and do what's called back channeling, where you ask a couple of questions about what your, their experience was like working with that person. That's a you know pretty deep way to go. Another thing that's a little easier is just go and look at their LinkedIn profile and see if they have recommendations on LinkedIn from past uh, employees or leaders or customers. And I've always found that 
you know, the folks that have a lot of people that are willing to write a recommendation publicly on LinkedIn tend to be pretty solid leaders. Uh, you don't earn those recommendations by being bad and being political and not focusing on building your team and your reps and driving towards success. So go and vet that out. If you've got someone that has maybe one or, or zero recommendations, and I think it's it's worth pausing and you know maybe asking the question: do, it, Would you be able to put me in touch with someone who's worked for you in the past that you were uh, you know able to help drive success? So that's, you know, kind of an easy, low hanging fruit way to go and vet out leadership and, and do this not only for the sales leadership, but for the founders or the CEO or anyone else that you're going to be interacting with in this new SaaS company. And just make sure that they have people that endorse their work product and their leadership. And again, if they don't, I think it's okay to ask more questions and to pause a little bit and say, I just want to make sure I'm working for the right leader. And I, you know, I want to see if I can talk to someone who's worked for you in the past. I think it's a fair ask. So vet vet out the leadership really well. Um, that's a it's a big one, because as you get into selling larger deals, you realize that using your manager uh, and your leadership to help peer with other executives is key. So you also want to make sure that the person that you're working for has experience doing the job that you're doing, whether that's BDR prospecting and building pipeline or selling deals. You need to make sure that that person has that experience but also has the experience of growing a team and making successful sales reps. So strong leadership is huge, especially in the sales leadership org. Uh, do your due diligence there and vet everybody out before you accept a, an offer at a new SaaS company. So number three, evidence of team success and proven results. So one of the things that I always ask in an interview is who's the top performer right now? What are they doing well? And what percentage are they at to their quota? How, how are they doing against the quotas and goals that are set for them? And then another question you can ask that's a little more broad than that is, of the, the reps on the team, how many of those reps are achieving their, their quota and making their on-target earnings? You have to ask these questions in an interview process. And I, I used to not ask this. Um, I don't know why, but I think it's a totally fair question to ask a, a hiring manager or a sales leadership team is, I need to know if there's four reps currently on the team or 10 reps currently on the team or 100 reps on the, on the team, what percentage of those reps are actually making the money uh, that they've been promised and which ones are actually achieving the goal. And if it's a really low percentage, I think it warrants more questions. Well, why? How come only 1% of a hundred reps is making their, their number? Uh, you know, if there's four reps, how come only one in that four is, is making the kind of money that, that is promised here in the offer letter. So ask those questions, try to figure out if there's a top performer on the team. Who, I shouldn't say if there is, who is the top performer on the team and what is it that they're doing? I always ask that question. It's always, it's always received with a lot of kudos from the hiring manager because hiring managers want to see that you're thinking about how to be successful in the role and that you're trying to reverse engineer what's worked. Uh, and it's super interesting because you're going to hear all kinds of answers. And I've asked this at every interview I've done in the last seven years. And it's always really cool to hear what the top most elite players are doing and you know, specifically in their role, how they're being successful. So it's a win-win question because the hiring manager is gonna think you're a badass and you're going to get a lot of valuable insight into what success looks like. And again, if there's not an answer, if there's not a clear top performer or there is a top performer, but nobody knows why he or she is, is performing uh, in that way, these are all red flags that, that deserve you know, more due diligence because if there's not you know, clear, clear documented 
you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? If there's not clearly documented evidence of how they're succeeding or, or, you know, process or any sort of, uh, documentation on what they're doing, right. Then that's, I think a little concerning. And it just says that maybe that person's getting lucky or, you know, maybe they're getting more leads than everybody. You just don't know. Right. But if you get a really good answer from the hiring manager, that's like, wait, this person prepares for every meeting and rallies everybody in the company around what they're doing. And they've learned the product in and out and they know the buyer persona really well. Like you look, you're looking for things like that, that are very detailed, uh, you know, specifics around what this person's doing right. So ask those questions, figure out, you know, what percentage of the team is achieving the goals? Who's the top performer? How much money are they going to make? I think it's fair to ask that question these days. You know, what's the W2 for the top person on the sales team right now? Uh, totally fair question. And, you know, obviously they don't have to provide specifics, but if they can provide a range uh, or an estimate of what the, the, the top performer is going to earn this year, these are all really good metrics to have. And they're evidence that there's a really clear process and there's a culture of understanding what success looks like and driving reps towards success and not a, you know, the, the reverse is a culture where you have leadership say, you've got to go figure out how to be successful. We're not here to make you successful. We hired you to figure it out. This is a big red flag. And unfortunately, I found myself in this situation more than I care to admit. But this is something to look for is if the the, the leadership culture or approach is we're hiring you to figure that out for us, not a we're hiring you because you're good at what you do and we're going to dump fuel on your fire and help you grow in your career and make the kind of money you want to make or get on the path you want to get on. That is, uh, you know, again, a red flag. If you hear leaders say things like we're hiring you to help figure that out. We don't know the answer to that. Look for those kind of things. So that's number three, evidence of team success, uh, other reps being successful and a culture of, you know, understanding that success. Number four, is there a defined career path? Does leadership invest in sales training, sales enablement, and are there other reps that are advancing in the company to better roles, to better accounts, et cetera? So one thing to look for, and this is you know unfortunately very common that you'll come into a SaaS company, especially in the early stage, and there's not a very well-defined path for career success. There's not, you know, if you hit these numbers, these targets, then you get promoted to this. And it can get really demoralizing when you're in a role and it's just, hey, you're just here forever selling and we don't really care about your career. Just keep doing what you're doing. Also, when you come into a role or you know, you're interviewing for a role and the manager says, sales enablement, we don't do that. You got to jump in and pick up the phone and figure this out. That's what we're hiring you for. Again, listen for that. We're hiring you to figure this out. We're hiring you to come in and pick up the phone. We're not training you. You got to figure it out. That's what sales is about, right? Wrong. Uh, look for companies that invest in training their reps in not only sales processes, but in the product, in the marketplace, in what the customer personas are, who they are, why they buy the product, what's great about the product, what's coming down the roadmap on the product that's exciting. Uh, also, I'm always appreciative of, of early stage software companies that train their reps in startups. So what I mean by that is a lot of great companies and leaders will take time to kind of take reps under their wing and explain how their equity works or how fundraising works in the, in the startup industry and how to network with VCs, how to work with partners, uh, how to really sort of stretch yourself throughout a whole ecosystem so you can become a better professional and you can go building your Rolodex even more and your skill set even more 
So look for those kind of things where leaders are excited to share their knowledge, their tribal knowledge, where, uh, you know, executives and founders are excited to have you part of the holistic business and not just uh, come in, figure it out. Training is you're going to sit on a bunch of calls and make a bunch of calls and, you know, you're either going to sink or swim. Be really weary of that culture because I think in 2021, that is no longer effective. Maybe back in like the 80s or something, it was like sink or swim, get on the phone and the reps that can hack it will stay and the ones that can't won't. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good model. I think the best companies right now are investing heavily in their sales reps. They're, they have clear training programs from day one. They have ongoing enablement for their reps. Uh, and the longer the reps there, the more enablement they get. These are, I think, the right behaviors to, to help build a, a world-class selling team. And you need to look for those things. Are there investments in training? And some of it's outside training. I'm very fortunate that a couple of the employers that I've had in the past funded training programs that were world-class and really taught me a lot about selling. Uh, and about working with prospects and building value and, and understanding pain points and things like that. So be on the lookout and ask good questions around what kind of training and enablement come along with the role. What does day one look like in the role? What does the first 90 days look like in the role? Because if you hear things like you're going to get on the phone and figure it out, or, you know, we don't interact with our reps when they start, you know, only the ones that are good are going to survive. These are red flags to look for in the company doesn't like to invest in their sellers. They think that it's your job to just go in and make it rain without any resources besides a, you know, a phone and a laptop. And I disagree with that. I think the best companies out there are you know investing in their their sellers and putting together training from day one and ongoing training so that's number four number five last one are they respectful of boundaries so this is an interesting one and this line can get really blurred in software startups because it's a you know it's not i had a manager that always said sales is not a career it's a lifestyle and i do believe that sales is a lifestyle it's not necessarily a nine to five job uh, you've got to be on guard and ready to sell at any time. You've got to be willing to make some sacrifices in order to be truly successful. All of that said, if you're consistently, if you're in an organization that's consistently uh, not respecting your personal boundaries, then it's time to move on. Or if you're vetting a new company to go work for and the vibe is that they're not going to respect your personal boundaries, then run away. And what I mean by, and, and personal boundaries can mean different things to different people. Everyone kind of has their different tolerance. Maybe you're a, you know, younger rep and you don't have family responsibilities or, you know, some of the things that, that might take you away from work and you're willing to put in a lot of hours. I'm, I'm very encouraging of that. Earlier on in my career, I put in a lot of hours and a lot of time in perfecting my craft. But, uh, you know, something to think about is, if you're getting like Sunday emails all the time, like every week, or if there's a culture of, you know, no one's respectful of your vacation time or your personal time or early mornings, late nights, weekends, it's just, you're always on, you're going to burn out. I think that's the key here is you're going to burn out in the role. Again, sales is a lifestyle and there are times when you need to do kind of heroic efforts and make big sacrifices. And that can sometimes mean weekends, late nights, early mornings, uh, long hours, whatever that is. But in my experience, those come in kind of peaks and valleys. Like there's just times when you're working on a big deal or you've got, you know, a quarter number to hit or whatever it is that you need to invest that extra effort. 
But then there's a lot of times where you don't and you're able to kind of take, you're, you're kind of able to breathe a little bit and, you know, maybe you're working on some strategic deals or building pipeline or something like that. But if you sense that the leadership is going to ignore your personal boundaries, meaning they're going to text you on Sunday night or Sunday morning or call you or, you know, you're required to, you know, be online during your vacation or something like that, then that's, I think for me, a big red flag. And the best companies want their reps to stay mentally healthy. They want their reps to, to be able to take time away and, you know, do things that they find fulfilling and fun uh, and enjoyable. That's really what this is all about. That's why I got into sales. My first manager was fantastic. And he said, look, this is a, you know, this is a, a, a vehicle. Sales is a vehicle to power what you love to do outside of outside of work. And whether that's, you know, hiking, biking, or parasailing, or boat ownership, or whatever that is, uh, you know, that's, that's what we do this for, is to be able to have, you know, boundaries and be respected as professionals. And if you sense in, a, in any company that that's not the case, then it's, again, worth asking direct questions. And it's worth doing more due diligence. Maybe that means talking to someone who's currently on the team and finding out if there's, you know, weekend emails that are required to, to be responded to, or if, you know, vacations don't exist because you're just always on. So that is the number five thing to look for uh, in your next SaaS selling role is just a company that's respectful of your personal boundaries, your personal life, and your time. Uh, and again, being respectful of time doesn't necessarily mean that there's not going to be times where you have to put in extra effort, but generally speaking, is it something that gets abused by that company? So hopefully you found these five tips helpful and uh, thanks for listening. 